good to be worshiping with you guys this morning. If you're new, my name is Justin Jordan, lead minister here at Real Life. And uh, I just want to continue to celebrate Easter. Uh, we sat at a staff meeting on Monday and we were like, we could just talk about Easter all day on Sunday if we really wanted to. But I wanted to just highlight one thing. It was pretty amazing to watch you as a church body love and serve well. If you don't know, second hour, we had zero seats available here. Yeah. And there was about 50 people in the lobby. And um, a healthy amount of those people were new people. And um, I pulled Joe aside before announcements and said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to ask anybody who calls real life home, invite them to stand up and give up their seat. And there's like, as he made that announcement, about a two second window where there wasn't a whole lot of movement. And as the pastor, you're going, come on guys. Come on. And then all of a sudden, 30, 40 people get up and head out to the lobby and gave up their seat for new people to be in here. And then we got to the point where we're like, okay, there's too many of you. Like, we don't need that many of you. (laughs) But I want to tell you, like, that type of selflessness is what changes people's lives. When people see that you're willing to give up your seat for somebody else. You should have seen the new people. They were like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I, I don't want to do that. No, 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 no. We're here for you. We're here to make room for you. And when we have that type of heart, God blesses that. There's a reason why we had so many people, because he sees your heart. And when God's people have his heart, he goes, I've got children I need you to help take care of and lead and disciple, amen? Amen. And so as we continue to move forward as a church, I just want you to remember that story and I want you to remember and ask yourself that question, is am I willing to give up my seat for somebody else so that they would hear the gospel, so they could get connected to Jesus' church, Jesus' family? Because there's gonna come a moment when your home group's too full and Jesus is gonna ask you, to make more room. And if, if we're willing to continue to live that out, God will continue to bless um, what he's doing here at Real Life Ministries. I'll just tell you, we have another baptism next hour. We praise God for that. And we've got multiple conversations we're having with people that are wrestling with the Lordship of Jesus. Uh, today we start a new sermon series called Tighten the Knot. And uh, tighten the knot, as you guys probably know, is tied to that, that phrase you've heard when someone gets married, tie the knot. Um, uh, it's a Celtic tradition uh, that started uh, years ago. And the reason why we're doing this series, is I'm just going to be really blunt. I'm, I'm tired of seeing the enemy win in marriages. And the, the thing of it is, is like coming out of COVID, um, we as a church have had to navigate more pastoral ministry and marriages in the last year and a half that we've probably had to do in our 14 years of existence before then. It's been relentless. And finally I got to a point where I was like, okay, like we're gonna have a conversation. This sermon series is gonna be challenging. It's already challenging for me. It's gonna be challenging, but it's gonna be good. And you might be sitting here going, well, I'm divorced. How does this apply to me? 
Let me just tell you right now. You need to hear God's word about what it means to be married. Because whether you get remarried or not, every single one of us are disciples of Jesus. And God's word, God never wastes a word. It's good for you. It's good for all of us. And the reality of it is, is for some of you, you may have someone that you are in relationship with. That even though maybe you made mistakes or maybe you were wronged in marriage and ended up having divorce, there are going to be other people that you are in relationship with that are other Christians. And this is an opportunity for you to say, let me tell you what God's word says. Now he's saying, well, I'm single. You need to start learning about what God's word says about marriage. There may come a time where the Lord gives you a spouse. You need to know what God's word has to say. You might say, I'm a teenager. I'm not getting married. There may come a day when you get married and you need to start hearing about God's word and what it says about marriage. The other real reality is a lot of things that we're talking about today, they're relational. They're about relationships. And does marriage have a deeper intimacy of relationship? Absolutely. But the foundational things that we're gonna be talking about are things that can be transferred to every single relationship in an appropriate context and appropriate boundaries. So today's gonna be powerful. The sermon is gonna be powerful. I hope that you are willing to lean into the text this morning. Mark chapter 10 is where we're gonna start. And it says this, that Jesus left Capernaum and went down to the region of Judea and in the area east of the Jordan. Once again, crowds gathered around him, and as usual, he was teaching them. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? Well, I just want to start off by saying, this was a highly contested topic back then. It's a highly contested topic now. And what they're doing is they're trying to pit Jesus up against two main schools of thought that originated in the first century. Two different rabbis that talked about interpreting the text in regards to marriage and divorce. The conservative side said, marriage is binding unless one thing happens, adultery. The other side said, no, divorce is allowed because Moses allowed it and they used it liberally liberally to the point of like if you didn't like your wife's cooking you could divorce her okay so they're trying to trap jesus in the midst of this highly debated topic and jesus says this he answered them with a question verse three what did moses say in the law about divorce well he permitted it they said they replied he said, a man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded, who wrote this commandment? Only a, he wrote this command, commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. If you've sat in any marriage ceremonies, you've heard this statement over and over and over again. What is Jesus doing? He's quoting two passages from Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. What do they say? God created a human being in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man 
And the man said, at last, the man explained. Why did the man say at last? Because God had been showing him all the animals and naming them, and there was not one like him. But when man saw Eve, he said at last. And actually, if you were to translate that in Hebrew, it's wowza. (laughs) You think that I'm joking. I'm dead serious. It's like, whoa, right? The man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. From these passages, there's the three C's of marriage that we as Christians hold on to when it comes to what is marriage. What are the three C's? First, God created marriage. It's from the creator. God the universe created the idea of marriage. It entails a couple, a man and a woman. And lastly, it's a covenant, a commitment to God and to one another, a promise to endure together through all of life's difficulties. The purpose of marriage, marriage is a commitment between a man and a woman who live fruitfully. Remember in Genesis said, um, join together, be fruitful and multiply. And so for us as people, we are called to live as people that are fruitful in our relationship with our spouse, partnering in stewardship over the earth and reside in God's kingdom that goes beyond this life. And so that's a lot we just covered. Ultimately, it comes down to this. God is the creator and designer of marriage for the good of his creation and glory of his name. This is why marriage exists. It reminds me of Psalm 111. It says this, How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does, everybody say everything. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. The point of marriage is to actually bring glory to God. And as marriages unite in the design that he wants for marriages, it brings glory to him. And when I think about marriage and I think about bringing glory to God, it begins to remind me of people that I know in my life that I go, wow, when it comes to marriage. People that have endured and have loved and have served well in the midst of great difficulty. And I think about lots of different people. One of the the heroes in my life as I'm getting older is (laughs) my wife's grandparents this is a picture of them they've been married uh, this week absolutely Uh, I was told this week 68 years is that right 68 years yeah wow that's what we say right wow um Natalie's other grandparents, um, the Hansons, are with the Lord now. And uh, they were married for over 60 years as well, right? Um, I'm emotional because I come from a family of just tons of divorce. And so to see marriages endure impacts me in a mighty way. Um, to watch them serve one another 
and be patient with one another because they are patient with one another. I've watched it. I've watched it. But a commitment to one another, um, no matter what. And that commitment to one another and that willingness to serve one another, it spills out to be... um, A couple months ago, you guys know that I was in a pretty tough spot. And out of the blue, I got a note from Lloyd and Dee. Justin, just wanted to encourage you. Um, We've been doing a study in the book of Timothy on our Wednesday Bible study, and it's been so good. Know that we love you, and we always pray for you. We pray for God's anointing on you. And we've got 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 8. I just want to highlight a couple things that it says. Preach the word of God. Be prepared. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. It's their love and their marriage and their serving to one another has grown them to a place where not only do they do that for each other unto the Lord, but they also do it for other people. 60 years. Wow. Psalm 111, verse 10, that chapter we just read, says this, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom and praise him forever. And so the reality is, is we look at uh, Matthew and Jesus talking about marriage, talking about commitment to one another, that there should be nothing that separates um, this union that God's given and that he's designed, he's created us for. We gotta ask ourselves, are we willing to look at his word and to look at his wisdom and to say that fear of the Lord is the foundation of all true wisdom. And are we willing to be a people that are committed to that statement of what marriage is and what is he actually wants us to do and how do we actually live this out? How do we live in our marriages where we continue to what we're gonna talk about through this whole sermon series is is tighten the knot. Everybody say tighten the knot for me. So, the rest of the sermon series kind of built upon this principle of how do we continue to tighten the knot? And so I would like to have um, a husband that'd be willing to come up and be a volunteer for me this morning. Anybody want to be a husband? Just come on up here when you're ready. Thank you, Rudy. Give Rudy a big round of applause here. Yeah, for sure. Um... All right, there's good. So here's what I need you to do. I just need you to make that into a big, huge knot. Big, huge knot. As many knots as possible, big, huge knot, okay? While he's doing that, I'm just going to make myself a knot like this. And I'm good. While he's doing that, uh, I want to just go back to Mark chapter 10. Jesus said, the two are united into one. 
Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. The reality of it is, as we kind of move through this sermon series, like we're going to continue to talk about what does it actually look like to tighten the knot? And how do we as God's people choose to be a people that are tightening the knot continually? Now, I don't know if you've noticed, like I tied the knot once, right? Rudy's over here. <laughs> Looks like a first grader trying to tie his shoes over here. All right? Pretty much. Hey, I have a great wife. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of knots. <laughs> you said it, not me. Uh, so, I'll take that now. Thank you, sir. Can I go down? You may sit down. Thank you, Rudy. So we have two different ropes here, okay? Um, I'll just tell you a quick joke. Um, when we were getting ready to get married, me and Natalie were in premarital, and uh, our premarital counselor, pastor who married us, he, he pulled us aside, or he didn't pull us aside, he had us over for dinner, and, and uh, we kind of asked the question, what's our premarital? What are we going to cover? And he's like, well, my experience, there's three things you fight about in your marriage, on the edge of our seat, he goes, money, sex, and sex. Those are the three things you fight about. <laughs> and to be honest, not that far off, okay? Just, <laughs> um, but the things that we continue to notice in, in our marriage with me and Natalie and with lots of people that we counsel and, and meet with and talk to is no doubt those are the things that pop up. And so we're going to talk about finances. What are the habits in a marriage? We're going to talk about dating and intimacy here in a couple weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about communication. And we're talking about prayer. Um, We're going to talk about selflessness. Because here's the thing. The way you tighten the knot is actually choosing to do what Rudy did. I asked him, keep tying knots. Keep tightening the knot. And you notice, how many did I tie? I'm like, I'm good. But Rudy kept tightening and tightening and tightening and tightening and building and building and building. Was he passive? with the rope. He was intentionally investing in tightening the knot. And here's the thing. It doesn't take much when it comes to communication. It doesn't take much when financial stress hits your marriage. It doesn't take much when you quit dating your spouse. All of a sudden, the knot is no longer tight. And for every single one of us that calls ourselves a follower of Jesus, we've got to ask ourselves, do we really believe what God's word says? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning and foundation of wisdom. That God actually wants us to live in a posture that let no man separate. And so that our marriage is actually something that we have to not be passive. We can't be distracted. And I understand 
I'm going to talk to some of the young families right now. Our life is the busiest it's ever been. I became a soccer dad recently. I never (laughs) thought I was going to be a soccer dad. We are running around playing Uber, and I don't like it, but at the same time, I want to love my kids, meet them where they're at, figure out their bent, and pour energy into that, and walk beside them. But it can't sacrifice our marriages. I can't sacrifice my marriage. You can't sacrifice your marriage. Active means it's being intentional and done in love. The binding of hands that we talk about in regards to tying the knot was meant as a symbol of love. Ryan Frederick puts it this way, love is something we give and it's something we receive, but we must remember that love is primarily an action and a choice before it's a feeling. Feelings of love, romantic affection, come and go with circumstances or moods, but true love, the action of love, remains regardless of how we feel. Feelings follow actions. And when you choose to tie the knot, when you choose to get married, you're committing yourself to someone to love regardless of what they do in response. You might be asking yourself, how in the world do you love like that? Well, this is a really popular graphic, and this is the only way I know how to explain it. The only way that we can love is if we actually choose, and the scripture talks about this all the time, to Fix our eyes on Jesus. The only way you love your spouse in unconditional love, an overwhelming concern for others without any regard as to what you get in return, the only way you do that is by fixing your eyes on Jesus. To love your spouse unto Jesus. That is, you love and serve your spouse and you look to Jesus, you do it out of obedience and love to Jesus. Not as, well, why aren't they doing their part? That when you learn that that's what relationships are actually all about, that Jesus, he didn't love and then go, why aren't you following and obeying? obeying?" Like, I'm just, he didn't go to the cross and be like, I'm not doing this. He didn't do that. He went to the cross and loved and showed the world what true love actually looks like without any regard as to what he got in return. I love what Gary Thomas says in Sacred Marriage. He puts it this way, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? And the reality of it is, how do we tighten the knot? How do we, how do we remain one in our marriages? The only way we do that is looking unto Jesus as we love our spouse. It's the only way. Another way to put it is flipping this graphic upside down. I appreciated this graphic. The only way is we can make Jesus the foundation. That we actually continue to lower ourselves as Jesus did. That he lowered himself and made himself a slave. That we love relentlessly. And that's tied to the reality of what you actually believe about God and about marriage. The strength of your love depends far more on your beliefs about God than your actual feelings. Because I can tell you right now, your spouse is going to jack up your feelings, right? But you've got to decide, what do you believe about God? 
And what do you believe about marriage? And at the end of the day, you've got to decide that you must align Jesus as the foundation of your marriage. You might be saying, my spouse doesn't know Jesus. I know it makes it difficult. But we say this a lot in real life. All you can do is your part. And we know and believe that God is doing his part. And you continue to serve unto Jesus and pray that eventually he or she will do their part. How do you align Jesus as the center of your marriage? You must align your marriage to God. It's God-given purpose. If you want to fulfill, have a fulfilling marriage and a God-glorifying marriage, Jesus being at the, of that foundation is the reality. And so, one of the things you're going to notice in 2023 in almost all of our sermons, we keep talking about habits. Everybody say habits. You guys remember the Habit Sermon Series, January? We're just kind of continuing that theme all through 2023 because we believe that it's time for us to get back to habits that I think we've lost in the midst of a lot of craziness the last three years and help us get focused. And so we're going to be talking about what does it look like to start entering into some of these habits. And here's habit number one, that I am challenging you to think about how you can enter into this reality for your marriage. You might be saying, we already do this. That's great. How do you build on it? Habit number one, have a Jesus-centered and significant conversation daily. Daily. And just questions for reflection. Have you and your spouse firmly established your beliefs in Christ? When was the last time you had that conversation with your spouse? About what you believe about Jesus, about what you believe about marriage, about what you learn about marriage. What you're learning for yourself. Have you decided to find your marriage by biblical love? And have you decided to act, be active in tightening the knot in your marriage? And I'm saying, well, how do we do that? Here's a couple cues. Because here's what we know. Habits are actually built upon cues. And they're actually, it's like scaffolding. A habit actually is tied, we talked about this in January, it's tied to actually a belief system. And underneath that belief system are cues where you can reinforce the habit. So here's the thing. What would it look like every day for you and your wife? And I would even argue it's okay to a certain extent. I use it kind of like as the warm-up. Is what does it look like to have this conversation at the dinner table with your family? And transparency and honesty about how are the highs? How are the lows? What does that look like? For you and your family to sit at the dinner table together and talk about your highs and your lows. And for husband and wife to listen below the surface to what's really going on. Because later on, you're going to talk about it later on in the evening. Obviously, you don't share everything with your kids. But you can begin to start the conversation there and begin to understand, okay, we're going to talk later tonight. What does that look like? Later on in the evening, after the kids go to bed, how's the heart check? What does this conversation look like to drive the conversation deeper? This is why I'm a huge advocate. Kids got to go to bed early, parents. My kids don't go to bed till 1030. How are you going to invest in your marriage if your kids are up till 1030? Just throw that out there. My wife and I, we could not make it if our kids were up till 1030. Couldn't make it. My wife, uh, she, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> You're like, uh-uh. Because we've got to have quiet. We've got to be able to connect and see how we're doing. Talk about what's going on in the heart. Ask questions like, what are you reading in God's word? What book are you reading? What voice is in your ear? What is God stirring in your heart? These are questions that you can ask each other. And guess what? It's going to require you to be transparent and vulnerable. And sometimes what they have to say is going to be scary. But that's why God gave you a spouse. Talk about the significant things of what Jesus is doing in your life. What you're wrestling with, your fears. What does it look like to discuss your devotions? What are you reading from God's word? What's he saying to you? What would it look like for you to start this habit this week? Or at least start the conversation. Start the conversation. Say, I, I want to have this conversation. I want to start this habit. And for both of you to go, I don't really want to. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm worried. Just start. Start somewhere. We have to surround each other with the truths of God's word. We have to tighten the knot. If you're single, you're dating, start these conversations. But understand this too. We'll talk about this here in a couple weeks. This is what actually drives intimacy. <laughs> this is what actually drives intimacy. So you got to be careful as a single person to honor the, the commands that God's given us. But you can start this in your dating relationships right now. This is how we make Jesus the foundation. This is how we become one in our marriages. And ultimately, for some of you that are here in this room, you've never made Jesus the foundation of your life. And he's calling on you to believe, to confess, to repent, to get baptized, and to make him the foundation, not only of your life, but also in your marriage. So as we get ready for communion this morning, I just want to invite you to think about these take-home questions and to ask the question, what is the next step that I need to do to tighten the knot in my marriage. If you came this morning and you didn't grab the elements but want to take communion now to, together as a church family, if you want to raise your hand, these amazing ladies would love to serve you the elements. I just want to invite you to have a conversation with Jesus about what it looks like to tighten the knot. And if you're single, what does it look like for you to grow in depth with Jesus to prepare your own heart to where if the Lord gives you a spouse in the future that you're prepared to love and to lead and to serve the way that Jesus has invited us to love and serve each other. Let's spend some time together with Jesus as we get ready for communion this morning.